When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Moneymaker, the podcast that gives you the tools to enrich your life in every sense of the word. I'm your host, Nelly Galan. Let's get started. So Carla, you know, you and I talk about this a lot. I mean, how in our communities, people admire athletes, celebrities, and singers. And you're a singer too, which yes, I love. Yes, yes. I love that you're left brain, right brain. But to me, you're the celebrity, to me. Because, well, thank you, man. No, truthfully, because you are someone who's gotten to the top of finance. And to me, finance is everything. I don't think people realize that if we don't build wealth, mm-hmm. if we don't have money, we have no power. In the past, when people did things around diversity, it was a check the box. But now we're the number one consumer in America. Absolutely. And we are the biggest growth market for every company. So it's incredible that you've come back to help these communities, but let's face it, you've had a career in wealth management. Mm -hmm. You've met the wealthiest people in the country. What can we all learn, starting at the bottom, Mm -hmm. about how we should be thinking about money, investment, and wealth building? Well, I started my career in investment banking, in mergers and acquisitions, and in capital markets. So I've seen companies, small companies, raise lots of capital. And then I, I migrated towards wealth management. And here's three things that I'm gonna tell you that we all should know. Number one, Investing and growing wealth starts with saving, right? And saving is all about understanding the difference between your needs and your wants. And unfortunately in our community, because we have not had Nelly, we have a lot of wants. But what I saw, especially as I grew in my career, is those who were really, really wealthy were not preoccupied with showing it. So that guy down the street that was actually a millionaire was driving a Toyota back in the day. Maybe today they're driving a Benz. Maybe today they have a BMW, but they were driving a Toyota and they were already a millionaire. You know, they had three pairs of shoes, not a whole room full of shoes, right? Nobody has to see it. And those who are really showing it, a lot of those guys are in the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. So they have a lot of disposable capital. But the key for us to understand in our community is that money buys you choices. So the first thing, they live below their means, which is what you say, and they save before they even think about spending and acquiring. Number two, they're very, very thoughtful about how they cut deals, right? We're so big to go and get that very expensive thing and use credit. Ah, because I have credit. But those same folks who have a lot of money, they actually show up with cash and say, I know you want to sell me that. Let me just pick a car. I got cash here. And when's the last time you sold something? And actually, Nelly, I got to tell you, I did that. When <laughs> when I bought my first Navigator, I went on a cold day in February and I knew it had been a long winter. That dealership had not been selling any cars. And I went in and said, I'll do this one for you cash. And at, at the end of the day, I got a ridiculously low rate. Of course. Because I had the choice to be able to negotiate. And because I was willing to do cash, he gave me a really low price, 25 G's off And we use federal tax new. incentives, all kinds of things that rich people use right. that we don't use. But to be fair, a lot of people, when I go out and talk to them, say, but you don't get it. We get profiled when we walk into stores. We get pro- If we don't show our money. Absolutely. So what I say about that is how do you know you're being profiled, right? Are you clairvoyant? And if you're not clairvoyant, you don't know what they're thinking. And I really don't care how they're looking at you. 
If they look at you funny, you look back at them funny. And you, keep right. go and you keep going. If they follow you around the store, you say, how are you? And don't let those kinds of distractions actually get you off your game. Sure, they may piss you off, but at the end of the day, all of that is irrelevant. Okay, so save money and live beneath your means. What else have you learned in yes, wealth management? Yes, now, you ask yourself, do I have the expertise to actually invest this money? Because I want to figure out a way to make my money make money for me. And there are two ways that you can make your money make money for you. The first is investing in the market. It doesn't cost a lot of money to get an advisor, and I am a big fan of getting an advisor that will teach you along the way. If they don't have the patience to answer your basic questions, then that's probably not the right advisor. Because whoever's managing your money, it's personal. The second way that you can make money is in your community. There is Mr. Smith that has a barbershop that has a line out of the door Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Mr. Smith can and would like to expand across town. He only needs 10,000 to do it. Well, perhaps he gives you 5% on your money. Guess what, 5% on your money in 2019 when the bank is giving you one, you do that all day long. So there are opportunities right there in your community that you get a chance to do your own due diligence. You know, Mrs. Smith. And I gotta tell you, I've made a lot of money investing in small things in my community or loaning money to a friend who had a great deal and is willing to give me 18% because she had to close that deal. But the thing is, let me go back to the basics, needs and wants. Be really clear about what you absolutely need versus what you want. Because when you start making that delineation, you'll find that you have a lot more money. People say to me all the time, well, you know, look, at the end of the day, I, 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 can't, I can't even invest in a mutual fund. It takes $2,500. I said, let me see your hands. Let's check out your nails. Mm, that set costs 100 right? <laughs> and it's 64 fill. Let's add it up. How much it costs. You got $1,200 in nail expenses. And if you don't know like about real estate the way you knew about real estate, talk to somebody. That's right. That's the other thing we do not do in our community. We don't leverage relationships. There are people around us that have information. And if they don't have information, they know somebody that has the information. Ask the question. And we assume that, oh, so-and-so doesn't want to share. Oh, so-and-so is not like that. How do you know until you ask them? They may be dying to tell you. I can't tell you how easy it is for me to get access to information. And I'm quick to say, I don't know about X, Y, and Z. Ask the question. And you know what? If she won't tell you, somebody will. But use the resources around you. And Carla, I know you're super devoted like I am to women becoming self-made, whether it's an hour a week as a side hustle. Why is it so important in today's world? Yeah, it's important because money buys you choices. Let me take something basic like healthcare. I've unfortunately been a consumer of our healthcare system and our healthcare products because I had parents who were ill and I needed, really needed to use it. And it was so interesting how easily we were profiled. You're talking about being profiled in a store? Get profiled, get really sick in a hospital. They take a quick look and they kind of even think that you don't have a certain kind of insurance. You're not even given the choices. Somebody doesn't even say to you, oh, you should go to this skilled nursing facility after your procedure versus these. And if you have a certain kind of insurance that's not deemed to be top of the line gold standard, then the choices are made for you. But if you have your own money and someone says, well, your insurance won't approve that, you can say, that's okay. I'll take care of that. I even go into CVS and somebody will say, well, we couldn't get somebody on the insurance. I'm like, why didn't you fill it? I'll buy it. I'll pay for it. I don't understand. I don't, I don't care. Don't call. But I put myself in a position to make those choices and everybody can. You don't have to be on Wall Street. You can be a teacher, you can work in a McDonald's, you can be a nurse. 
All of these jobs will pay you enough money where you can start to save. And the more you save, the more your money will grow. And oh, by the way, you get a certain amount of money in the bank on a simple savings. Now you have negotiating power. The bank is offering you 0.005 and you say, hey, but I got $100,000 here. Can you actually give me 0.01 on that? Or can you give me 0.02? Or I'm thinking about actually taking that money over there. I don't think we even realize we have that power. Mm -hmm. I can say as a Latina that in our culture, it's like culturally uncool to talk about money. But we must talk about money. I don't think our mindset is right. So what happened to you as a young woman that you thought, I'm gonna go to the right Mm. schools, I'm gonna do these things, and I'm gonna go into finance, When did your mindset shift? Yeah, I'll tell you, I am negatively motivated. And I say all the time that I'm blessed to be negatively motivated because when you tell me I can't do something, I'm all over it. So I give my parents a lot of credit for making me feel like I was supposed to do well. So I had an appetite to do well. And then my parents sent me to the best schools in Jacksonville. And, but I'll tell you, there was where a a shift started to happen in high school. My elementary and junior high was an all black Catholic school. My high school was an integrated and there were only 12 blacks in my graduating class and the classes were divided into basic classes above average and honors and again because I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me in the honors classes that's what I aspired to I want to get to the honors classes and even if it was hard I wanted to make sure I was one of the top kids in the honors classes and then let's talk about college and as you say how did you get there I didn't have aspirations growing up to go to Harvard until my junior year when I started hearing all the other kids in my honors classes saying, oh, did you get your application in a pen? Did you get your application from Harvard yet? Did you get your application from Yale? And that's all they were talking about. And I remember going to the guidance counselor and I said, I wanna go see the guy who's coming in from Cornell. He said, well, don't worry about applying to the Ivy League schools. And I said, why? He said, cause it's really hard to get in. Don't worry about it. You will go to a great college. You apply to the Florida schools, you'll be fine. And I remember it was his, don't do that, that created this Scooby moment for me. Hmm? Wait a minute, what? <laughs> right? And so being the good little Catholic girl that I am, I did what he told me. I applied to all the Florida schools, but I applied to all the Ivy League schools that I wanted to apply to. And Nellie, I got into all of them. So the lesson that I tell other people, never count yourself out. And for Pete's sake, don't let anybody else count you out. And by then I was really clear on the Ivy League and I knew what was top schools. And I was like, I'm going to go to Harvard. And I remember I got in, I said, mama, I'm going to Harvard. She said, how are we going to pay for that? I said, I don't know, mama, but I'm going right. And that was that. And my parents didn't challenge me. It's like, okay, well, I guess we'll figure it out. And Nelly, I worked three jobs and had a full load and I was involved in three different activities and I still graduated magna cum laude. And I sit here today and tell you that's nothing special. But it was a focus and an aspiration to do that. And again, if I was going to be at Harvard, and I'll tell you who gave me a big inspiration on that. My, my good friend Paula, her father, Jackie Reagan, he said to me, that's a big pond there. So, you know, don't get off kilter. I said, no, 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 Mr. Jackie, they're going to know that I've been there. So I was determined not to be another bursus number because her father was saying, yeah. You might get lost. So See, that people became, underestimating you. That underestimating. became my inspiration. And then you went to Harvard Business School. Right. A whole other thing. And yeah. so when did your mindset say finance? Because yeah. I think it is the holy grail. Yeah. I'll tell you what did it freshman year. A lot of my friends went to this new program called SEO, Sponsors for Educational Opportunity, which was started by this genius, Mike Auschwitz. And they came back sophomore year, talking about what an amazing time they had on Wall Street, all the cocktail parties they went to at all the different investment banks, all the people that they met, how challenging the work was. They worked all night. And I thought, wow, that sounds really cool because I'm an adrenaline junkie. And so I said, I'll apply next year. So I applied as a sophomore and I got in and that was the summer 
that changed the trajectory of my life. Because at that point, I wanted to be a lawyer. But now all of a sudden that summer, I said, wow, the things that I thought were in the law were actually in business. I wanted to call the shots. That summer I realized the lawyers don't call the shots, the business people call the shots, and the lawyers help you get it done within the context of the law. Mm. Number two, I wanted to have responsibility at an early age. There I was at 19 working on things that people were using my analysis to make decisions about issuing hundreds of millions of dollars of bonds. And number three, I wanted to make a lot of money. And I said, oh, I can do that over here, this thing called Wall Street. But here was the kicker. I did not see a lot of people that looked like me again. And I said, well, why not? This is not that hard. At the end of the day, investment banking is addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. This is not that hard. Why aren't there more women? Why aren't there more people of color? Okay, I think I want to do this. Again, that negative motivation kicked in. And I knew that if I was successful, I could bring some other folks along with me. And I have to tell you, as a result, I have been avidly involved in recruiting and mentoring and sponsoring every day that I've been on the street. Mm -hmm. So you went from there to Morgan Stanley. Yes. yes. Unbelievable. And so... Talk about that. And I know one of the things that fascinates me about your backstory is you've also been involved in a lot of IPOs. Mm -hmm. I think that's something to explain because we don't really even understand what mm -hmm. that is and that we can buy into those companies. Mm -hmm. And for you to have you know, a seat at the table and see and, and help ha have that happen, can you explain yes. that? Like we, we hear about the stock market, we don't even know what it all means. Yes, and I didn't either, right? Until I actually was in there and I was doing it. So an initial public offering is the first time that a company makes its stock available to people like you and me. So up until then, there'd been a private company that's owned by people who invested in that company very early on. And it could be like, a, for young people, a Snapchat. Right, Or exactly. a, a Facebook or that's somebody. Is, like that. That's exactly right. And so that company existed and grew and offered us a product because People like you and me actually invested in it while it was a private company, which means that we held ownership that had no liquidity unless we had the ability to sell it to each other or sell it externally. But that means you couldn't go sell it in the market and get your cash today. Right. So now Snapchat says, ah, there's great growth opportunities and we want access to cheaper forms of capital and public capital is generally cheaper than private capital because of the liquidity aspect if nothing else, because you can buy it and sell it on any given day. So they say, but we need access to lots of capital. Let us go now to the public market. So we're now going to take our stock and offer it to institutions like a Fidelity or a Capital, for example. But we're also going to make it available to a Carla and an Ellie so that we have access to those markets. And that enables a company to get cheaper forms of capital, get access to different types of capital, and to accelerate their growth. So initial public offering is the first time a company offers its stock to the public. That's all it is. And it's amazing because I think going back to all the ways we can invest, you talked about the community way, you talked about being in the market, this is one way, that we can own a little piece of mm -hmm. a very big company. That's right. And then entrepreneurship is you know, obviously the ultimate way, but not everyone's an entrepreneur. That's exactly and right. And I say this to women too, sometimes you can be someone that is part of a company, but you're not necessarily the entrepreneur. That's exactly right. And I'll tell you, af now after three years of investing in early stage companies, I've learned a very valuable lesson. A founder is not necessarily a CEO. That's right. Right. <laughs> and just because you have a great idea and you actually get this company started, doesn't mean that you have the skills to actually build a team, create a culture, and actually scale this to be a multi-billion dollar uh, business. And I think it's important for everybody to be self-aware, to say all the things that I need to do to really 
lead this company. Those aren't the things that I liked. I really like getting it started. And I liked when there were six of us on that. And But if you want this thing to be a big thing, now find somebody who you think can really lead it and you stay involved, but you're not the person that's actually doing that. That's an important distinction because so many people decide they want to start their own business because they don't like their boss. Not really understanding what it takes to do that. The other reason is when you start your company, you actually want to have money that you can put into your company yourself because right. it gives you leverage. If I'm constantly depending on you to give me capital because people say it's better to use other people's money, the problem with that is after a while, if I keep actually selling my stock to all these different people, I'm now in the minority. I now don't own the majority of my company. Now I'm working for you. Hold on. Moneymaker will be right back. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Let's get back to the show. So let me ask you another question. In terms of you, you have had this beautiful life where you are in your mission and your money, right? Mm -hmm. So you have this track where you're also an artist and you've written books, you're also an author and you've had incredible albums. For, for many of us, I think one of the things that confuses people when I go talk to women is they hear, they watch Oprah and they hear, follow your bliss and the money will come. Yeah. And so how do we balance this idea of mission and money that not everything you do every minute of the day mm -hmm. is the great love of your life? Mm -hmm. That maybe sometimes in your life, mission and money collide. Yeah. But that sometimes we do things and we are very responsible on a path that leads to our well-being later in life. And, sure. Right? Sure. How do we balance those two well, things? Well, I think that what Oprah is talking about when she says the mission and, and the money is if you happen upon something that you are passionate about, that is something that also that the market will accept, then I do think you got to be thinking about how can I actually do this and let it all align. And it will align if you are going to be passionate about following just that thing. But in my case, for example, I think I'm a reasonably good singer, but I also think that I'm an incredible speaker and I'm a, I'm a pretty good investment banker. So other people like me have to make the choice. Well, I'm not going to abandon that other gift that he gave me, but I'm going to look at that more as avocational as opposed to vocational because I like finance. I like the rewards associated with it. And it's perfectly fine to go down that road while using the other part of who I am as a singer and as an author for philanthropic reasons. And so I think you just got to think about how do you want it to, to actually transpire as a vocation or an avocation. And if it's an avocation, at some point, 
the two could cross and you could make the decision that the avocation is now going to become the vocation and the vocation will now become the avocation. I will tell you that Carla Harris, the banker, has actually invested in Carla Harris, the singer. That's how I've done the Carnegie Hall concerts. That's how I've actually gotten the albums out on the marketplace. But at some point, if I say, you know what, I think I am good enough to be competitive in this market and here is what a star looks like today and I can do that, then I may make a different decision. So I think that's how you prioritize your vocations, your missions, your passions. I do think that you and I have also prioritized though our financial well-being. Yes. And what I worry about too is that sometimes we become wounded healers. We want to save the world mm -hmm. and we still haven't saved ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, Manelik, don't you know, it's always easier for me to worry about somebody else than it is to worry about me. And I tell people all the time, it's so much easier to focus on other people's stuff than it is to focus on your own. So when you find yourself going out there and wanting to heal the world, you stop and make sure that you've gotten your own house in order. There are lots of people that I meet that want to do really great things, that have really great ideas, but I ask them, have you checked out the marketplace? Who you, do you know who the competition is? And so many, especially young people, haven't checked out the marketplace. They have a good idea and they want to run with it. And not everybody wants to fuel your great idea, especially if you haven't thought about the efficiencies or lack thereof in your market. Let's talk about women like you and I who have worked in corporations. Mm -hmm. Like the, the power of working inside a corporation. For so many of us, we hit uh -huh. glass ceilings. How can we be entrepreneurial in those corporations? Mm -hmm. And also, how can while we work in those corporations, be entrepreneurial in how we invest yeah. in the things we do as a side hustle? How do we keep both things going, but not just throw the baby out with the bathwater? Because a lot of women go, I'm quitting my job. No. Right. I mean, I could not have done what I've done if I didn't work for major corporations and see how they do it yeah. and learn on someone else's dime. Well, that's exactly what we're talking about. And if you're in a corporation, I'd say there are lots of opportunities to be entrepreneurial today because there isn't a corporation around that doesn't understand that innovation is the dominant competitive parameter in all industries today. And so they're looking for people who have great ideas that's going to give them another leg of growth. You know, that's why I give my chairman a lot of credit three years ago to say, you know, I understand the demographic shift. So the relationships that we have today may not be the relationships that we have tomorrow. And so we better understand who some of those folks are in the corporations that are our relationships today. And oh, by the way, what's going to be our next leg of growth? We've been doing what we've been doing for a long period of time, but he's constantly thinking, how do we disrupt ourselves so that he can be ahead of the game from anybody that might seek to disrupt us? And if you see the demographic shift, then what are most investment banks doing with respect to multicultural constituents? Up until now, you haven't seen a whole lot, you know, and that's why I give him a lot of credit for sort of thinking about what can we do that could be a growth engine for the firm going forward, but that also aligns us with a clear shift that's happening in the marketplace. I love that you say growth engine because I think sometimes in multicultural markets, we think that everything is a handout or that we want a handout. Mm -hmm. And Ooh, I love when no. I say we are the growth engine. Yeah. Because when we bring money to a company and when we're seen that way and when we think that way, it's a shift. It's a major shift. I mean, $1.4 trillion of spending power in the African-American community and 1.7, I think the number mm -hmm. is, uh, in the Latina community now. Mm -hmm. And not to mention women will control $2.3 trillion in less than five years. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. The, as, as they say in my business, the numbers don't lie. So I do think that women, while they work for other people, should be thinking about 
investment while they work for other people and grow that money. And yes. that's an entrepreneurial mindset without leaving and being an entrepreneur. Yes. Well, the other thing is think about what's going on in your firm and raise your hand to say, I know this is my trajectory, but I actually want to go to try to do something like this. And if I'm right, this is what it can, it, it can do for the organization. And oh, by the way, there are opportunities, especially in financial services where you may be able to invest your money. So if you are running a fund within a large financial operation, if they're going to pay you some carry, they're expecting you to invest some of your money. And if you don't have any money to put in there, then you find yourself at a disadvantage for that opportunity. So it goes back to where we started, being able to have assets so that you have choices and opportunities to be able to invest. And as you do anything, I again, I don't care whether you're a teacher or a nurse, somebody's going to come to you with an investment opportunity. And if you haven't saved your money, you won't be able to take advantage of that. And in, in my business, we have funds all the time where we're offering those funds to the employees. If I hadn't saved my money, I couldn't play. Carla, I want to leave with one thing, cause, because women, a lot of women say to me, well, you know, that's easy for you because your life is easier. And, this, <laughs> and I look at you, and I, I was telling the, the team, I go, I think that I'm an animal, and I think I'm a slacker compared to you. I mean, you've been on Obama's task force. You're on boards. And I know your travel schedule is insane. I think it's important to talk to women. I mean, how much do we always still have to work? Yeah. It doesn't get easier. Yeah. We, it, but we it, it doesn't, it doesn't get easier, Nelly, but you get to a point in your life where you can really be voracious or to use your word, an animal around the things that you want, want. to do. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. Choices. Yeah. That, it goes back to choices. And early in your life, you don't feel like you have as many. And I give you that, you probably don't. But that's the game that we're talking about. That's why you need to save. That's why you need to invest. That's why you need to seek out the information. That's why you need to leverage your relationships and build new relationships. If your relationships aren't yielding anything for you, that's exactly why you need to do that. So as you progress on this journey, it goes like this in terms of your opportunity set and your choices as opposed to going like that. There's no reason it should be constricted. Every year that you put on your life, you should have expanded your scope. Every year. You're Plain right. and simple. And you have expanded in your scope personally. You have a little beautiful daughter. Yes. How do you balance all of it? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I tell you, I'm very proud of the fact that I am walking my own talk. Before uh, my husband and I got our daughter, Dakota, I would tell women, you know, you don't have to do it all. You can leverage, again, the relationships that are in your life. You can delegate or in my parlance as a capital markets banker, you can syndicate, right? So if there's, a, if there's a great babysitter or a nanny that can help you do that, let them do that. If there's somebody else that can do the hair, let them do that. Again, the choices, the wealth that you acquire gives you some ability to be able to do that. And if you can't, then you take your kid along with you. But it, it, it will limit your ability to do the kinds of things that you need to do. But you got to stop and think about how can I put all of this together because I want all of this. So for me, balance is a necessity. Having things that bring you joy is what I call balance. Sometimes it's your kids. Sometimes it's your significant other. Sometimes it's your job. Sometimes it's just walking around the block. That just felt so good. Or having a bagel, whatever it is. But have something that brings you joy. And then if you put that in your day, that's the balance. That gives you the fuel to pursue that thing that you're not so psyched about that day. That's how I get it done, by making sure I get other people that can help me, but also prioritizing and giving myself something that brings me joy, that allows me to do the things that are not so joyous that day. Amen. Yes. Moneymaker is a production of Money News Network. 
Moneymaker is written and hosted by me, Nelly Galan. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. Thanks for listening. See you next time.